Hey guys, welcome back to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we dive deep into stories of Asian entrepreneurs around the world. Be sure to check out our book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, and check out our directory and marketplace at AsianHustleNetwork.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network Podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Sajani Amarasiri. Sajani is an immigrant entrepreneur who transitioned from building world-class tech supply chains at giants like Microsoft and Amazon to building a brand with more equitable supply chains for better for you, Ayurvedic inspired modern goodies that originate from her heritage in South Asia. Her passion for marrying her two cultures and giving back to where she came from got her traveling across the world to start the first community focused co-working space in Sri Lanka and then on to building Kola Goodies to bring more equity and cultural representation to wellness around the world by directly sourcing and supporting communities that have used these ingredients and rituals for thousands of years but weren't being represented in shelves. Sajani, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. This is awesome. We're so excited to have you on the show. And so we'll jump right into it. We have heard so many amazing things about Cola Giddies, but I really want to take it back a little bit and talk about where you grew up. We know you grew up in Sri Lanka, and I want to know about your experience just growing up in Sri Lanka and what was it like there? It was wonderful. Well, if you can see my background to anyone who's watching some video, this is actually inspired from Sri Lanka, this background. And it it's a small island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. and I grew up, you know, in a very middle-class, loving family, very loud family, actually, <laughs> but also a family that, you know, where my parents just gave absolutely everything for our education and just wanted us to excel in anything that we chose. And both of my parents are also small business owners. So I definitely saw the struggle of, you know, the ups and downs of having small business of sometimes, you know, just going through really bad periods. And around at the same time, there was a war happening in Sri Lanka for like 30 years. So my entire growing up was this like crazy fun, but then there was a backdrop of a war and, you know, there's a lot to unpack when you get out of the country and you're like, wow, that was an interesting upbringing. (laughs) Yeah, that's wow. That is amazing. And I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for you growing up. And I'm sure, you know, at such a young age, there were, there were probably times where you didn't even probably didn't even know what was going on. Right. And it was so hard for, for us to understand as children, you know, growing up in times of war. And so you are normal. You didn't because I was just born into it and it ended in nine, 2009, which is, was the year that, which is two months after that I came to the U.S. for college. So for me, it, that was the norm. And like now and after that, that a year or two after it ended and the moments that I went back to Sri Lanka, that's when I realized, oh, this is what it is like 
not to have that in the background because it's not that I grew up in Colombo, which is the city in Sri Lanka. And it was not that the fighting was happening in the area that I lived in. It was happening more in the Northeast. And, but you know, there would be things like suicide bombers or like, you know, like real safety, you know, issues happening. And, but I just didn't, you know, it's weird to actually now say that because now looking back at it, that was your norm. And, and it was completely normal because that's all we knew. So, yeah. So even right now what's happening in like Ukraine and Russia, my heart is like really hurting for all the kids, honestly, and like the citizens in Ukraine that are going through this right now. I just can't believe because that is much, much more intense. It's an entire country under attack. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, I feel for the, these children that have to go through these experiences too. Right. And it's for some of these children, it's like, it's all they know. And I'm sure that's how that's like similar to what you felt like when you were growing up in Sri Lanka. But when you had left Sri Lanka to go to the United States, I believe you had moved to Seattle. Is that correct? Um, I actually went to Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh is where I came for university. And I have to tell regarding the war, like definitely the people of the North and East in Sri Lanka went through much worse than the people in Colombo and anywhere else did. And there were actually kids and children in those areas as well. So it's just another thing to unpack. It's a, it's, it's a really sad situation that was happening there. Um, so I must tell, because I remember going during a ceasefire to the north and I remember seeing kids going to school under like a roofless school building, which for me, with the privileges I had, you know, in comparison to that, I was so privileged because I was going to an awesome school in, in Colombo, right? Where we had all the amenities and these kids in the north didn't so it was it's definitely like you know they definitely had a much harder than you know life than I did but yeah so I came to Pittsburgh out of like you know Sri Lanka which is like everyone when I came here they were like why didn't you choose like LA or Miami I was like I don't know I thought all of America is the same like you know I I grew up watching like friends and I thought my life would be like a set of friends you know where it would be like New York and I would be so fabulous but nope I came to Pittsburgh and no hit to Pittsburgh but it just was not what I imagined it to be and especially being an immigrant like the first time in America right like I didn't do any college trips I had no idea that was a thing like that college visits were a thing when I first came here I was like oh you came to the school before you came here what do you mean I was I just like picked it out online and like applied you know so but I got a full scholarship to come so that was clearly an incentive to come and figure out your life here and fit in and assimilate as fast as you can oh yeah for sure I I mean I don't blame you for thinking the whole United States is like all the same because I feel like if I were to be born outside of the United States I would think every state it's the same too you know because we always talk about how you know our American culture you know it's all like very aligned with every state but it's there's so many different nuances and different cultures in every single state and we have like different traditions and stuff like that but I do want to know like what was it like 
during that transition when you moved from Sri Lanka to Pittsburgh? And did you have any culture shock at any point? I'm sure it was such a different lifestyle and, you know, coming from you know times of war and then moving to a whole new country. What was that experience like? Well, did you have did you have culture shock at any point? Complete culture shock. I am so thankful to my friends, early friends at Intercane University, who like even took the time to explain on how things worked, right? Just even like being in the dorm and the food was so different to what I was used to, right? We would have curry and like vegetables would be cooked. And here it was like a more salad thing. I was like, why are people eating raw vegetables? Like <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I was like, I just don't understand this. Like, there's no concept of salad in Sri Lanka, actually, or like in a lot of South Asian countries because you cook everything, right? And so, and that is actually like a roots of Ayurveda too, like you cook your food. And I was just like, even like exits, for example, I'm like, why do exits exist? Because, you know, in Sri Lanka, you can just like, oh, you missed one street, you just like turn around and you go back. I'm like, damn it, these exits. Like if you miss an exit, you have to wait like five to 10 minutes for the next one. And so it was just like so much in just that sense of like the everyday practice Calities, but also things like I was missing my family at home so much. I think the first three to six months, I was, I went through probably like the, those phases of depression of where you completely hate everything. You're in denial. And then you, you're so sad because I just didn't fit in. I missed my family. I missed the food. I missed everything that I was familiar about or familiar with, right? So it was definitely a very hard time, but that's also what I think why immigrants are so strong and that come when you come out of the other end, it's like you figure out how to survive that transition. You figure out who to surround yourself with and you've kind of figured out your identity even at that time saying like, you know what, I am Sri Lankan. I'm going to be this and I'm not going to be afraid to tell what I don't know and what I don't like. And I just I have to figure this out. Like, you know, so it, it was a very hard time, but you, you got to do it. You have to get through it. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you for, for bringing that up because I feel like even for myself, I was born in America, right? And so I'm American-born Chinese. But oftentimes when I go back to my motherland, I there's, you know, there's differences because when I go back to my motherland, I feel like people who are in Hong Kong, they let their natives in Hong Kong, they can tell that I'm not born there, right? And so I feel like there's a sense of me that feels like I, I don't belong, right? But I want to learn more about my culture. I want to learn more about my heritage. And then when I go back to the United States after like a long trip back in my, my in my motherland, I feel a similar way where I don't feel like I belong. I'm always going to be seen as, you know, Chinese or Asian. Right. And so even if I was born in America, there's always going to be a sense of me where I feel like there's I, I don't belong in either countries. Right. But the beautiful thing is, is that like I can take traditions that I've learned in Hong Kong or back in my motherland and bring them to, to the United States and have people learn about them. Right. And I feel like you you had that kind of like sense of awakening where you wanted to bring your cultural roots from Sri Lanka. And, you know, the things that you loved so much about Sri Lankan 
culture and back to the United States, right? And that's exactly what you did with Cola Giddies. But we can talk about that in a little bit as well. But I know that when you, you know, when you were living in Pittsburgh, was this right before you had moved to Seattle then when you were working at Microsoft and Amazon? Yeah, so I graduated college from Pittsburgh. I, you know, I disliked it so much. I finished school in three years. I was like, <gasps> wow, <"Wow." laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> Excuse me, but I've got to. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You just get it done over and quick with. That's one way to do it. Yeah, I was like, let's get this over with. Let's get through. And then let's, you know, let's get out of the West Coast. And so, yeah, I moved to Seattle at the time. Uh, my now husband, my boyfriend then was also in Seattle. And, you know, H-1Bs and work visas are such a difficult journey for a lot of immigrants. And I knew that being in Pittsburgh, at least, it wasn't like there were not many companies, especially tech companies at the time. Now it's becoming a tech hub that was sponsoring these visas. So West Coast, San Francisco, Seattle, all of these areas had much more opportunity. And my boyfriend was here. So I was like, let me go over there. But it was a really hard journey, even actually after graduation to find a job. Again, it's one of those times that I felt that I wasn't valued here or like, why is, why am I not getting this opportunity to work and actually pay taxes? Like, for God's sake, America, you gave me a free education and now you're not even going to let me pay taxes back because so the thing what happens is like, you know, in order to get an H1B, a company has to sponsor you. And so I would go to all of these interviews, right? I would apply and I would go through the first screening. And in my head, my ego was so big because I had I had graduated like summa cum laude. And I was like, of course, everyone's going to want to give me an offer. Duh. And then at the interview, they'll be like, oh, do you need a visa? I'm sorry, but we don't, you know, sponsor visas. And so call after call after call, it was just so disheartening. But I remember watching this video from Steve Jobs giving a commencement speech and he said something there that like stuck and like got me through some of those times where I just felt like I was not getting anywhere was the dots are always going to connect looking backwards. And I think that truly came forward. Like it took like one year for me to get Microsoft and they sponsored my visa and eternally grateful for that company for waiting for processing the visa and everything. But yeah, I joined them as in supply chain for the hardware division. So like the Xboxes, services and things like that. So it was just exciting and very, very grateful. Oh, wow. Just hearing you talk about that experience is so amazing. I feel like such triumph and like excitement for you just because of that experience. And I'm so glad that it all worked out. I mean, I think that when times get really tough, you know, what is that? I think it's like the law of attraction or something. Yes. Um, when something, when times get really tough and you're like at the bottom, your lowest point, right? And you start to kind of unknowingly look for opportunities, they somehow just start coming to you, right? And it's it's when we're at our lowest point, that's when, you know, things actually happen and arise that are actually beneficial for you. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's when you surrounded, like, you know, as a, like, if you haven't picked up, clearly I'm a very type A person <laughs> where I'm like, let me just finish school, you know, I'll right. get to 
these all A's and you know I'll get there and then obviously I'll find a job, right? But when you try to control so much, I think sometimes the universe has a way of showing and correcting and saying, you know what, you actually don't have so much control as you think you do. And maybe just give up control a little and like, let me handle some stuff. So I think that is exactly what happened. Because even within that getting that offer process, there was so many ups and downs of like, just like, you know, recruiters changing and me frantically like looking for these recruiters and things like that. But just like, things just worked out at the end, honestly. Yeah. And I'm so glad that it worked out. What was your experience like working at Amazon and Microsoft as well? And when did you decide to leave your corporate job to work on your small business full time? I think there was an article that said that you were actually working on your small business and it was overlapping, but you wanted to make sure that you were actually cash flow positive before you had left your job. So I want to hear about that experience and you know, what was going through your mind at that time? I think you also mentioned there was a mentor that told you about, you know, maybe doing entrepreneurship full time, but you were so scared to do it. Tell us about that experience. Yeah. I mean, I loved Microsoft. I still do. I don't think that, you know, some people leave corporate because they hate a job or they are, they don't like their managers or they don't like the work that they're doing. I really just loved being at Microsoft. They valued me. They, my growth was immense and I was financially secure, right? I think those things, especially coming as an immigrant were, are so important and being just around some of the smartest people ever, because it's not easy to get in there. It's like all these people are extremely smart very dedicated. And so just being around that was such a level of like, and being able to start my uh, first, my career, right? This was like Amazon. I was there for eight months and then Microsoft was, I was there for four years and being able to start with that level of professionalism and that level of work ethic from people. I think that was such an amazing foundation for me to see how things are done, how things are not done as well in some cases, but also mostly how things are done. And I absolutely loved it. And for me, but I kept looking at, I kept doing these other things, you know, like I kept uh, starting little ventures on the side. There was once I came to LA and I uh, like, you know, went to the garment factory, bought some clothes. I started a website and I started, you know, an online clothing store in like two years in. And so I, I kept doing, there was still an itch of like, I just knew there was something that I wanted to do from ground up. And even the, and just that that was more fulfilling in there. And so I did a bunch of these other little ventures on the side. And then Columbo Co-op, which is the one that once I started, I actually left Microsoft for, that came about as actually one of the things like in I started that online clothing store and I was, there was an element of it where 10% of the sales or I, with every purchase, I was giving back to girls education in Sri Lanka as well. And I was doing this and I just was kept thinking like, I, the fashion is fine. I love it myself for myself, but I have no like passion for it. Right. So how do I do something, you know, where that there's so much more meaning to me and that is so me. And that's when I was like, just thinking about like, Hey, networking, like why, like so much in life 
for me was given thanks to networking. And that is because I introduced myself, I went up and spoke to someone, I asked for opportunities, right? And you have to do that right now. Like that is what you have to do. And that's what I did at, even at Microsoft. So it does, it's not even just entrepreneurial, like Honestly, I think a part of my success at Microsoft was because people knew who I was and what I was working on. And no matter what, yes, my work was great. So that's why they also knew all this other side stuff that I did. But they had nothing to tell me because I was delivering on time every time. Right. So just like, you know, you get for corporate people, do your work amazingly well just deliver on time every time and make sure that people know who you are and what you're working on. So, but when I started Kalama Corp, it was for me a way to kind of give back home in a, in a way that I've always wanted to give, take something from home here, which became Colibri's and take something from here back home, which became Kalama Corp, the first co-working space in Sri Lanka and I was just so surprised that in 2018 there was no co-working space back home so I was like yeah sure let's do it so I went and started the co-working space and you're right I was doing both at the same time and I don't know whether it's the wisest thing that I would tell people because it burned me out so much I was exhausted it was around the clock work because I would do work and then in the evenings I would get on and you know do Sri Lanka time zone work right but I just get had to get that done because I just bootstrapped and I didn't have a concept of raising money for this at the time I didn't know that that was possible and so there were that would I would say is a mistake right I would have raised money for it but yeah I did that and my because I was depending on my salary to fund it that is part of the reason that I stayed on and I was on for like six months after it opened and we were able to cash flow break even on operating and it wouldn't have you know depended on my salary to pay the rent at the co-working space anymore so that's where that was my goal I was like I'm leaving this job when I do that but like you said I would not have even made that a goal if one of my mentors hadn't even put that thought in my head because leaving the job was not an option for me. For some reason, that financial security is so much to, you know, me, like my family, like they were so proud of what I was doing. I was able to like, you know, purchase a home, like do all of these things that, you know, are like quote unquote very financial secure, like, you know, doing the right thing. But, but then he, he asked me the question, how much money do you really need in order to not live your dreams? And that was like, okay, that's a tough question. <laughs> so that kind of, you know, got me thinking, maybe I should try this for a bit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I like got chills just hearing your story and I feel like the fact that you said that, you know, you wouldn't recommend 
having a side hustle and your full-time job at the same time. I, you know, it's, it's hard. I agree with you, right? Because I've done the same thing. I've worked on Asian Hustle Network at the same time as having a corporate job, my nine to five, right? And so I, when I had my nine to five, I would work in the daytime and then Asian Hustle Network, I would work at night. But sometimes some of the things couldn't wait till night. So I had to like kind of switch off like between laptops and, you know, while I was working from home and pretend like I was working at my nine to five. But then there are some people who say like you shouldn't quit your job until you feel comfortable financially right because it is important to have that financial security that financial blanket so it's just interesting seeing the two different sides right i think there there's struggles and just hardships with with both and you know it's it's always going to be hard with entrepreneurship exactly and if you can have if you have a financial security net or you know a way to raise money yeah go and quit your job and then do something or build a build at least a minimum viable product with some product market fit while you're working so that you have iterations and confidence when you work when you leave that hey this could lead to something right but like for me just when you're especially building something that is a physical space in a different country where they the work ethic is very different the ways work work is done is very different and you know for me i had actually never worked in sri lanka right that was so interesting yeah. like yes i was born and raised there but i went to school there and i was a child when i left but i always tell this like i am such a product of those two countries i was born and raised proud sri lankan but i was also grew into myself and me in america my work ethic is so american the way i work is so american because that is the way i was trained like my first jobs everything was in american companies so when i do go back and like do the way way americans do work they're like oh you're so rude and i'm like i'm just telling you the facts yeah <laughs> so but i have learned a lot of those things of like you know you have it's very face time work like you know you have to have a established relationship if they tell a deadline it might not work that same way so a lot of these things i really had to learn and doing both of that was very hard when in a job and the other thing was supply chain doesn't stop right i was in supply chain so i'm on calls with china even at night and so in, in for my actual job that is paying it was never night fives so that's the other part that was also so hard right it was like it doesn't stop supply chain does not stop it's a thing that keeps going when you're sleeping Right. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I, yeah, I can't believe you have never worked in Sri Lanka, but mm-hmm. a lot of the, you know, entrepreneurship endeavors that you had, they went back to Sri Lanka. They were somehow connected back to Sri Lanka. And that's so amazing to me. And it seems like the common thread in your entrepreneurial journey is finding that intersection of your Sri Lankan roots with the businesses and cultures you have been part of in the U.S., right? And I'm so glad that you brought that up. You're talking about just like, managing those two different cultures between you know America and Sri Lanka i want to know about like what other lessons have you observed with this approach of like intertwining the two cultures together when you were you know starting these businesses starting colombo co-op and starting the the fashion apparel company as well yeah well i think a lot of that meant like i think it came from a place of wanting to give back 
in and having that fulfillment probably and especially when like going back and giving back home and starting something it's about like hey i did something in the states like can i do something back home to change something or help with whatever i can to learn right and like change ways that what is going on because it's not a perfect country it's yes it's a tropical paradise but it's by no means perfect there's racial inequalities there is currently as we speak there is an unprecedented economic crisis back home where people are actually in the streets protesting they have like no fuel there's power cuts electricity cuts for 15 hours a day and the currency has plummeted to its worst ever been like right now through colaboratives we are actually raising money to send back home so that people can have food to eat because inflation has gone up 25% and people can't afford food and so there is just so much that i think to do back home but i also i i wonder whether one of the things that like really wanted me like or me to do something back home was the fact that i saw sri lanka change so much from the point i left where entrepreneurship was not really a thing like as when i was growing up because so with the war you take less risks it's already risky being there right so people are like you know spurring up like really new ideas or probably just have the bandwidth to do that but every time i went back home every summer from school it was like a new restaurant would start up and like you know all of this newness was there and i think i just wanted to like give back and like make sure this rebuilding of like the country had like different like roots in terms of equality like we even with Colombo Co-op I said you know it doesn't matter where you come from like this space has zero racist policy where like in this space like it's not an option and racist or like you know sexist because this is a female run space but everyone is welcome so I think a lot for me was to like how do I give back how do I bring the good things that I've learned here to incorporate and to see really see the potential back home because I know that Sri Lanka and can has so much potential but it's it's just not there yet And I love that approach about having everyone, you know, be welcome as part of that co-op and that's like very it reminded me of what we do with Asian Hustle Network as well. A lot of people have actually come to us and asked us, "Hey, do we need to be Asian to join this community?" And although we have Asian in our title, we don't discriminate. We don't say like if you're not Asian, you can't join our community, you know, and it's it's more the merrier to introduce our culture to other people who are not part of you know the asian community right and i i just wanted to say you know i commend you and i love that approach that you, that you did for the co-op so i do want to talk about cola goodies and i want to hear you know what was the inspiration of founding cola goodies and for you know people who don't know what it is tell us you know a little bit about what cola goodies is and what it offers and how it all started Yeah, so we make the best milk tea that you can make. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> I tried <know>. it. <laughs> and um, superfood lattes. 
that are all inspired by my South Asian heritage. And the thing that we are trying to change with Kologuris is making sure that there's cultural representation, not just in ownership of a business, but also when you look at the supply chain, right? Where does it come from? Who do we source from? And if you look at all our supply chain and our farmer partners, they're all from South Asia and we directly source from South Asia. And another part of it is like, how do we keep these rituals that are super ancient have been there for thousands of years, but evolve it to today so that now the next generation can also take this on, right? The way my mom made this, I don't have the time to make it right now. So if I don't have the time to make it, my future kids are not going to definitely not make it. They would not even know about it. So how can we like, you know, also be a little innovative so it fits into our current lifestyle and take it on for the next generations? So that's what we do. And Kulaguri's started, so we launched properly August of 2020, that was last year. We had MVP stages where in 2020, where we were like trying different things, different formulas, packaging, messaging, all of that stuff. But it is, and it was inspired by the fact that there is just so much goodness that I grew up with. And when I, especially when I, over the last few years, so when I first came to the States in 2009 in Pittsburgh, I saw, I think around that time was coconut oil was becoming a thing. And I was looking at that and it was like, get out of here. That is crazy that coconut oil is a thing here because in Sri Lanka, the moment you go from like a lower class to like middle class, you like abandon coconut oil oil because it's not as hip, right? Because all of this Western media is influencing what you eat back home. And so, and here people are going towards the things that we are abandoning back in our culture. So this thing was really interesting to me. So since I first came, I was like watching this and other things like Coconut milk became so big. And that's like coconut milk is the entire base of all curries in Sri Lanka. And I'm like, that's crazy too. Like, so I saw all of this happening. And then I saw like this wellness boom happen. And there were turmeric lattes popping up everywhere and celery juice being the thing. And I was like, look, 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 there's much better stuff (laughs) in that celery juice that we could sell that I could also like, you know, have bring that I grew up drinking every day and it's called Kola Kanda. It's that's what our super green latte is actually based out based and inspired from and then I saw turmeric latte having a moment and I'm like turmeric latte wasn't born in Venice Beach California it was it's been a thing that you know for thousands of years that people in South Asia have had in every part of their life like we put turmeric in everything so I just saw that the stories weren't being told. It was becoming so trendy, amazing. People are adapting the rituals. They are trying new ingredients. Great. But it wasn't being told and I wasn't being represented on those shelves, right? And if I'm not being represented, that means South Asians aren't being represented on those shelves. And that also meant that these companies weren't sourcing. They were 
the trendiness here was not benefiting the farmers or the people back home and the communities, right? Because the supply chain is so much that it goes through at least 10 stops before it gets to your latte bag. It will go to an auctioneer, exporter, distributor, wholesaler, like all of these places. And then, but there's such a better way to do this, like a much better way that we can just go directly to the farmer, buy this from them, get into California, make it into a drink that you don't have to do anything but just add hot water and have it so that you can easily put it into your routines. And guess what? This now can live on for another generation because we made it easier, right? So that was kind of the inspiration behind Kologudis and like that nostalgia of like, how do I bring like this goodness that my mom, firstly, kudos to working moms and my mom, I don't know how my mom woke up at five <laughs> and made this drink from scratch. She would like, you know, the coconut milk from scratch because they didn't use like this tinned coconut milk. You know, they would make the coconut milk. They would put the greens, they'll blend it. And I'm like, that's way too much work for me. So, so guess what? Our super green latte is all that goodness, but there's the coconut milk already in it. We added oat milk, there's moringa, there's cinnamon, and you just add hot water, froth it up and drink it like a latte. And in that same vein was like even the milk tea. So in Sri Lanka, we don't add necessarily spices into our, in the, in our tea. It's tea and milk right and sugar but it's Ceylon tea so it has this amazing like depth of flavor in it and and it's not super sweet either and that's kind of what I wanted to make actually with my husband honestly who wanted he loves the way my mom makes tea and he would always be like moms you have to teach me how to make this tea because I really really like it and she would try to teach him but it never comes out consistently so he's like one day he honestly was like i just want to sell milk tea and see how it does i just want to make it easy so that every time i have a milk tea it tastes like your mother's milk tea right and i was like let's try it and then i honestly had no idea how this would even do i just like you know what, let's start with like 250 units or 500 units or something. Let's just put it out there and see how it works. And now it's become one of our best sellers where people love this milk tea and it's only 70 calories. So it's good for you. It's not like 300 calories. So you can make it at home and it supports small farmers because we directly work with small older tea farmers in order to source all of the ingredients. So that is so amazing. I mean, it is really delicious for all of our listeners out there. Definitely go and try Kologui's milk tea. It is amazing. And I agree with you. Like moms, I don't know how they do it. Like it takes so long to make those traditional, you know, ingredients and recipes and remedies. And even like nowadays, if I'm just waiting for my instant coffee maker to make my coffee, I'm like, why is it taking so long? We're just so impatient nowadays. I'm like, this is, this is taking 10 seconds. Like, <laughs> why is this taking 10 seconds? <laughs> but I agree with you. I mean, 
There is a lot of big brands out there that are capitalizing on rituals from South Asia and just Asian general with no attrition to you know their origins. They don't really know where it's coming from, where they're sourcing from, and it's it's unfortunate, you know, because it's really they're really capitalizing on a lot of trends that are happening, right? And this reminds me of. Another podcast host, podcast guest that we had on where she was talking about Vietnamese coffee. There was a, like a really big trend with Vietnamese coffee, but a lot of these big corporations and big coffee companies, they weren't really telling people where their coffee beans were coming from, right? And it's the same thing that we're seeing here, right? And I think it's so important for us to actually have transparency as to where our food, our beverages are coming from. So we know, you know, what the conditions are for the farmers, you know, what the stories are, what the culture is, so that we're getting the stories right. We're getting the origins right, right? And that is so, so important for us to actually like have people learn about the origins, learn about the culture so that information doesn't get misconstrued. Right. Or like it, it doesn't get lost in translation. And that it lives on. This is how right. like all of these were passed for, for generations down. Right. Like right. the fact that they knew like that obviously, yes, turmeric has antibacterial properties. Like, oh, yeah, it's great for you. Like, oh, my mom would say every time like there's this herb called gotukola that is in a super green latte that she, every time I eat it, it's like spinach in Sri Lanka. So it's very common and she's like oh it's really great for your eyes it's really great for your brain i'm like yeah you're telling me this because i want you want me to eat greens <laughs> and then now all these studies are coming out and we're like yes this uh, this is amazing for your neurotransmitter health i'm like yeah it yeah. is. Mom, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have like a bunch of remedies that like my mother makes that work for me. But when I try, you know, like American, you know, medicine, it doesn't work the same way as, you know, the, the remedies that we have back at home. So it's, I love that you're bringing it to the States and that you're having people learn about these remedies, these nutritional goodies. But I know that when you had started Cola Goodies, this was like at the peak of the pandemic. And I think you mentioned that you had to like, postpone the launch and I want to know like what was that experience like did it affect your ability to sell and to source in any way and how did it affect your launch yeah so when we did we did a soft launch so a soft launch was in March of 2020 pandemic right and so actually it was a blessing in disguise in a way because it allowed us to iterate so much on the product, what is working, what is not working. And that's actually a tip for any entrepreneur that is out there is just like put product out. Like don't wait for this like magical unicorn to appear and be like, now is the time, you know, because just put it out. And then if it's a pandemic, like if I could put it out in the pandemic and I did, I think anyone can. And then all we did was just learn. We sold out of like that first batch but it took months for us to so, so sell out of that first batch, right? And But once we sold out, we learned so much from that first batch of inventory and like feedback that we got that we basically like kept the site running a little for the first bit of 2021. But that's where we like put all of our efforts into like really perfecting the branding, the sourcing, the supply chain stuff, like you know, all of that stuff and then putting out products again in 2021. Like if you think about like no one, and this is the other thing for like a lot of CPG supplier, like 
brands are like, oh my God, I don't know when to launch. I'm like, just launch it. No one remembers when Google launched. No one knows when Airbnb launched. Like no one does, right? So like, just put it out there. We don't have to have this big fanfare of like launch date. (laughs) So it was, I think for me, it was really tough to put it out there, even as our soft launch, right? Because a lot of the things that we had planned, even in a soft launch, was like, hey, let's go to the yoga studio and give these products out and see what people would say. But no yoga studio was open in a pandemic. We were all in our apartments. So we had to just really quickly see like, okay, how do we even get the word out there? Like, how do we tell people that we exist even to get those soft launch feedback, right? And that was that was really, really tough. But I'm telling you, all the dots connect when you look backwards. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely blessing it does, guys. I think it also is a reminder that it doesn't have to be perfect when we launch something. I think a lot of us as like creatives and entrepreneurs, we want everything to be aligned. We want the stars to align. We want it to be like on the perfect date for it to be launched. We want everything to just be perfect, but it's never going to be perfect. And you're always going to have to iterate and improve the more launches that you do. Right. So that's a really good reminder to us all yeah you have to always like keep going and i think like there was a question that you asked before that i wanted to like this thing came up to me like i i've been wondering like why have i always been so like everything i do has had some sort of element of sri lanka right yeah even are and it's a small country no one even knows about it sometimes like probably i hope your listeners do but when i first came to america People like literally college students, like all no one knew. They'll be like, "What is Sri Lanka?" And I'm like, "It's a country. It exists." That you know, it was. It was. I also went to a very non-diverse school, so maybe that was the reason. <laughs> and but it was like, wait, what? What is Sri Lanka? So I was just thinking, maybe I have such a drive to make Sri Lanka known in this part of the world that and that that it feels like you know even like with that milk tea like i was so like i put sri lanka milk tea on it like i want us people to know what sri lanka is and like that people to know that all of south asia is so big there's india there's also like seven other countries in South Asia, right? And the cultures are so different. Food is so different in those areas. And I think that has been such a big drive also, like to make sure no one ever questions me again saying, what is Sri Lanka? So I think that's one of the biggest drivers for me. I love it. And it works. It gets people to actually learn about it when they see it on packaging, on, you know, your milky wrapper, like they'll look into it and try to learn more about the culture. So it definitely works. Because your your brand is, you know, all about wellness, I, I want to know, like, what do you do to look out for your health? I know that, you know, there must be some like rituals or maybe some practices that you do. How do you look out for your wellness and what type of wellness strategies do you incorporate into your life? I wish I could tell you. <laughs> really amazing ritualistic <laughs> well, my day starts with this meditation but you know actually to be honest and very truthful lately the last four to five months 
has been so brutal in a good way for the business, but also has meant that I have been so stretched in a lot of ways. And I make this joke with my other wellness brand friends that the wellness entrepreneurs are the least well people. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Entrepreneurs, we stress about, you know, good sleep, yeah. eight hours of sleep a day, but it's so hard. <laughs> exactly. So, but I mean, the thing that like today in the morning I worked out, that's a win for me. Like I took 20 minutes to work out. I do think having like a meditation ritual of some sort for me is really, really key in terms of just like quiet time in the morning for like, even if it's just five minutes or even if it's just looking outside the window and saying like, hey, here's my intention for the day. That's like one of the things I would love to do like I and I think it's very seasonal there are times in in some in my life where I do have that time right I want I wake up I either make a super green or a milk tea or have my coffee or something like that and just like sit down and like meditate journal all of that but this season has not been that season <laughs> this season has been work 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 and like get a get the small wins in and in this season the things that have brought me a lot of care and self-care has been the sun i love the sun i i like when i picture my life i picture sun in it in every moment <laughs> right and then yes. i love the sun i love just going for a walk i take that as a win like just going out there walking the area i live in san francisco there's parks everywhere so i just love being around that i love going out to the beach just the beach calms me so much i don't know whether it's because i grew up by the ocean i literally grew up by the ocean in colombo so i don't know whether it's that familiarity or what it is but the ocean calms me down a lot being around water and i think those small things and like getting a workout in honestly has changed so much what my like normal ritualistic things are and I think that has been a lot of what self-care has meant in the last five months for me I have so many similarities I like love the sun I love the beach I love being around water like the sound of the waves crashing next to me it's like it's the most peaceful relaxing thing (laughs) I read something somewhere about the fact that I think it's like like stress being washed away or something like oh. like it's so cleansing and i think that might be one of the reasons but yes. yeah but you know i think i think it's very seasonal just like i i watched something today that said you know like work and life can be done in sprints right and i feel like i've been on a sprint for the last four months five months and like i really am working towards it being a little bit more scalable and a little bit more delegated out right uh, right now and i i'm just looking forward to that season where i'm not so you know deep craving like i, I don't want to say stressed i'm just telling i'm craving deep rest right now <laughs> yes it will come it will come we always make time for it <laughs> So, Sajani, we have one last question for you. And that is, if you could give an advice to an entrepreneur or just anyone who is trying to get more in touch with their cultural roots, what would that one advice be? One? Can I give multiple? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So, one of the things that I think is 
like not embodying run your thousand dollar a month company that is with one person like you're running your 10 hundred million company like mentally be there right mentally be there because one this what i learned like i read obama's book that came out last year and one thing you realize is he didn't just become the president and give start giving amazing speeches right he if you read his journey he's been speaking at college he's been speaking way before he even got to college and he was being he was just speaking in his community organizing stuff he was doing in chicago and like all of those things like made him was primed him enough to give that amazing speech whatever changed his trajectory when he announced his you know presidency or one of those points so and you know as entrepreneurs we expect ourselves to like oh when i get there i'll be like that but that's not gonna work you have to be that day one day zero as you're visioning your envisioning your company be the way that you're going to be speak that way that you're going to be right like asian uh, like i'm talking to you right now maggie like i run a 50 million dollar company i don't <laughs> but but we'll get there one day right and because the you isn't going to change hopefully you're just going to have more and more opportunities that come your way to the same you that is you know going to be even better prepared when that happens so i would say in whatever you do whether even if it's culturally rooted or not just like practice every day show up like that every day and you know like i said like you can't just even with the culturally rooted inspiration right i didn't just come up with colloquies and be like hey this is what i'm doing it's been a thing that i've done actually since the very beginning right like with my side hustle of a online clothing store i gave back home i had a t-shirt custom t-shirt company where i did like these sri lankan slogan thingies and you know i that was a thing with colombo coop was about connecting cultures colloquies is about connecting cultures so like just keep at it it might take different forms but the main thing that is driving you is if it's connecting cultures then keep practicing it and you know if the first one doesn't work out that's fine like you would be better prepared for the sixth one that does work out because you've done the work for the past 6 years so that's what i would say I love that. I love that advice and I agree with you. I think, you know, we have to if we're if we're trying to get to some place or or be some person, you know, we have to be that person from day one. Even if we're not there yet, we have to embody or envision ourselves as that person, right? Because if we continue to have like this gap in our mindset that, you know, we're not where we need to be, you're never going to get there, right? So you always have to be that person from day one. Yeah, but you know, Oprah said one thing. There's something interesting where he said, you know, like as a person, you don't change when you get more money. Right. You either you're either a crappy person who gets crappier, or you're a nice person that just becomes nicer and more generous. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you decide who you are going to be. <laughs> like that thing that you're going to be is if your thing is going to be connecting cultures or like you know being true to your roots. practice it like don't just come out of nowhere like 
you know, not care about your roots and then suddenly be like, I'm because then it's, the journey is going to be much harder, right? And then the other piece of advice I would give is it's very easy to wait for clarity, right? Of, oh, what am I going to do? But I think clarity comes from engagement and that's, that is quoted by Murray Folio. So it's not my amazing quote, but clarity comes from engagement. So like, just get out there, do something, right? If you want to host a podcast, start talking to people, even if it's just like over coffee, right? Or if you want to start selling lattes, start making it asking your friends to test it just like you know do the engagement and then you might see oh this is just not for me or maybe i'll go a different path so i think waiting and then building and then putting out there and then finding that that's not your passion or calling is such a waste of time rather than just like get done learn move on yeah absolutely agree love that advice thank you so much Jodani. so where can our listeners find out more about you as well as cola goodies and colombo co-op online yeah so it's cola goodies at cola goodies and colombo co-op actually i don't know whether we co- didn't cover this we closed it last year in june 2021 and so that was another entire podcast lesson probably that we would have but unfortunately with COVID we uh, closed it down but um, you can find us at Kolegudis and I am at Sajani Amrasiri on Instagram and TikTok Amazing Thank you so much Sajani It was amazing having you on our podcast today Thank you so much for sharing your story Thank you so much Hey guys We hope you enjoyed this episode Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.